it, it, we're so blessed, man, not just to show up and have uh, an Easter service, but this is a family of faith that walks together and does life together and to get to worship the Lord together and serve the Lord together today is so good. And if you're not a part of this local church family at Grace Life, maybe you're part of another church family or, or maybe you're visiting with us today, you're a guest, a friend, a neighbor, I, I just wanna say I'm so honored that you're here today to worship the risen King with us. Uh, there's a lot of places you could have chosen to be and I'm not quite sure why you chose this one but I'm head over heels ecstatic that you did. That's so humbling and exciting and it's just so good to get to worship the Lord with you today. And, and you could tell, even though this was service three for them today, no holding back. And that's the way I feel in my heart too. Amen. God just keeps filling me up. So I can't imagine if we had a fourth service, y'all. My, my heart would explode. And I don't know if you know this, but I just came back with 32 of my closest friends from Israel I mean, we just walked out of a tomb <laughs> that was empty just a handful of days ago. And so we came in the doors today hot. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So uh, you can probably identify who was there with me because we're, the, we're gonna be the really sloppy, messy people in the room today because the Lord's just been so good and poured himself out in such amazing ways. But I am so thankful that we get to be here together today. And if you have a copy of God's word, I wanna invite you to turn to Matthew chapter seven. We have been preaching through the book of Matthew line by line since back in December. That's just really the way we like to take things here instead of me just on a Saturday night going, hey, what, I, what would I like to tell the people tomorrow? God's already spoken, right? And so we just wanna dive into what God has to say line by line, word by word. And so we're sticking with that plan today. We're calling this series through the Gospel of Matthew different. And for the last couple of months, we've been in a section of the book of Matthew that's known as the Sermon on the Mount. It's Matthew chapter five and six and seven. It's the most famous sermon that's ever been preached. It was preached by the greatest preacher that's ever lived. Jesus preached this sermon. It's been such an amazing honor to get to walk through his sermon together. And we're gonna finish his sermon out today. We're gonna take it from Matthew chapter seven, verse seven, and we're gonna go all the way to the end with it. And I hope you'll come back next week because guess where we're going next week? Matthew 8, because that's how we like to roll around here, right? 8 comes after 7, and Jesus is flexing his way all the way through Matthew chapter 8. His power is going to be on display in very different, magnificent ways, so I hope you'll join us for that. Have you heard that saying that says, it takes one to know one, right? Sometimes we throw that out as kids, right, when we're kind of battling back and forth and jawing with our friends or whatever. But there's a lot of truth to that. Any school teachers in the room, by the way? Any school teachers here? Yep, I see you. You haggard, weary, tired, hanging by a thread people, all right? It's April, but June's coming, amen, all right? Come on, now the teachers are lifting their hands. So here's the thing. If you're a school teacher, you know, it, it really, it takes another school teacher to understand you, right? If you're a coal miner, Nobody really understands the life of a coal miner but another coal miner. Well, here's the thing about Jesus. Among many things you could say about Jesus is Jesus was a preacher. And I'm, I'm working on becoming a preacher, and so I think that kind of helps me maybe understand a little bit better what he's doing in this sermon that he's preaching in Matthew ch chapters five, six, and seven. And as we come to the close of that sermon today, I think what Jesus is doing is he is giving what us preachers like to call the invitation. 
The invitation is that part of the sermon that comes at the end of it. It's the part of the the sermon where the preacher is inviting the people who have heard what the Lord has said out of his word. The preacher's inviting those people to respond to the truth of God in some way. Billy Graham in our generation probably made this really famous, right? He would travel all over the world, go to countries and cities, and and his invitations at the end of his sermons were were always the same, won't you come? And he would invite people to come, right? And to trust Jesus as Savior and Lord, and thousands of people would file out and they'd come down there to the altar. His invitation was always the same, to trust Jesus to be your Savior and Lord. That was the whole purpose of his preaching and his crusades. And then there's guys like me, I pastor pretty much the same group of people uh, every day, every week, you know. And, um, and so when I give the invitations at the end of the sermon, it's not just, it's not just respond, you're invited to trust Christ to save you, but sometimes the invitation is you're invited to worship God. That, that's the way to respond to God's word. Or, or you're being invited to seek the Lord in prayer. Or, or you're being invited to confess your sin to the Lord because he's faithful and just and will cleanse you, forgive you, right? Or, or the invitation is you're invited to, uh, to repent and to get your eyes back on the Lord. I think that's where Jesus is as we come to the end of his sermon here. He's offering an invitation to people. He's given them an opportunity to respond to the magnificent truth that they have heard him speaking over these three chapters. He's inviting them to different. He's inviting them into his kingdom, which is a very different reality. And we know that there were essentially two kinds of people that were listening to his sermon that day, right? There were the people there that had already said yes to Jesus. They had already stepped across that line and said, I'm trusting you. I wanna follow you. You're my savior. You're my Lord. And then there were other people there that day that hadn't taken that step yet. But maybe they were there because they were curious. Or maybe they were there because they were interested, or maybe they were there because they had some questions. They had heard great things about this man named Jesus, and so they're there, but he's inviting them as well, and no matter where you may be in this room today, maybe you've never stepped across that line and trusted Jesus to save you, or maybe you have, maybe it was a long time ago, but there's an invitation from Jesus today that today would be a good day to get our eyes back on him, right? To turn and to follow him with all of our hearts. So Jesus gets to the invitation part of his sermon, and he's structuring it this way that regardless of who you are, it sort of resonates with you. You sense he's pulling you into this opportunity, that he's putting before you a a moment and an opportunity to step into something different. And see, I, I think the reality is in this room today, there's a lot of us that are longing for different. There's a longing today for a different joy, a longing today for different peace, a longing today for a, a, a different reality than the one you've been living in, for a, for a different hope in your life. And Jesus is inviting us into something different, a different life, a different way forward, a different perspective. And if you're ready for something different, here's good news. On this Easter, the stone has been rolled away. Jesus stepped out of that to offer you something different. I don't think it's an accident that you're here 
in this place today to hear the conclusion of Jesus' sermon. A preacher friend of mine was kind of surprised. You're not preaching on Jesus rising from the dead on Easter? I said, we do that every Sunday. I'm just sticking with Jesus. I'm gonna plagiarize Jesus' sermon, man. Why well, write my own when I can just write his? And he's inviting us today into different. Now in these verses we're gonna look at, Jesus makes it really cool and simple. He's gonna point out to us today two different kind of gates. Two different kind of gates two different kind of trees, and then two different kind of houses. He's painting this picture of two different gates, two different kind of trees, two different kind of houses to set the table to invite me and you today to do something with what God has said, what Jesus has said out of this sermon. Now here's what I think was probably happening on that hillside. I I was on that hillside just last week reading the Sermon on the Mount up there And I think in my mind, what I can imagine was happening is after this crowd has heard Jesus describing what his kingdom is like and describing how people in his kingdom live, I got this feeling that probably there was this rumble kind of moving through the audience that day and this question was coming out that goes like this, well, how do I get in? I hear you talking about this kingdom, but where do I sign up? What do I need to do? How do I get in? into this. Do you you remember that thief on the cross that was dying there next to Jesus on his left side? And you remember what he says to Jesus? He says, or on his right side rather, he said, right side, he said, remember me when you come into your kingdom, right? And I wonder where did that guy get that word? Where did he get that concept? Where did he get that terminology? And I wonder, Is it possible that that future criminal hanging on the cross was on that grassy hillside with Jesus that day? Is it possible that he has sat there and heard this sermon all about the kingdom of heaven on that day? Maybe, just maybe. And Jesus' sermon was all about the kingdom. So it makes sense to me that people would be saying, okay, well, how do I get in? And here's how Jesus answers that question. And maybe you're asking that today. Verse seven, he says, ask. Hmm. Isn't that great? Ask, seek, you'll find, knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. Now that almost sounds too good to be true. That's it? And it sounded probably too good to be true 2,000 years ago because these people were used to religious leaders giving them a long list of things you gotta do. You gotta be this kind of person. You gotta do this thing. You gotta do that. You gotta check all the boxes. But if you know what Jesus has been doing on the Sermon on the Mount, he spent a great deal of time in the Sermon on the Mount kind of deconstructing their list. He's been tearing that apart limb from limb And so when people say, well, how do I get into the kingdom? He just says, ask, seek, and knock. And you know, I believe if you're really asking, you'll receive. If you're really seeking, you'll find. If you're really knocking on the door of the king and his kingdom, he'll really answer that door. Do you know why that is? Because he's good, he is kind. He is compassionate, he is loving, 
And Jesus doesn't want you to miss this. Before Jesus really gives the invitation, he first wants to remind you of what your Father in heaven is like. And you know, I think there's people here today that need to be reminded. Life sort of knocked you around. The world can be kind of mean and harsh and hard, right? And Jesus takes a moment here to remind us of how good our Father in heaven is. And really, that's good preaching, by the way. Every preacher knows that the best invitations don't originate from how bad the people are, but how good God is. See, the Bible says it's not the badness of man that leads us to repentance, it's the goodness of God. And so before Jesus says, hey, listen, I want you to respond to this, he says, I wanna remind you how good your Father in heaven is. Look at what he says in verse nine. Who among you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them, for this is the law and the prophets. All right, any dads in the room? Any dads, earthly dads? Just raise your hand, dads. It's not a trick question. Dads, all right, dads, let's, let's be honest. Sometimes we do dumb stuff. All my children, all four of my children are sitting over here. I don't even wanna look over there right now. Because dads, we do dumb stuff sometimes. And sometimes, dads, we go beyond dumb stuff and we just do the wrong thing. Sinful things, even. But Jesus says, if earthly dads love their children enough, as jacked up as we may be as dads, Jesus says, but you don't give them stones to eat when they want bread. You don't put a rattlesnake in their lunchbox and send them off to school. Jesus says if earthly dads who miss it like we miss it sometimes, earthly dads like us so messed up by sin are good enough not to give their children food that is fatal, how much better is your father in heaven? who is good and abounding in love and mercy and kindness in every way, how much more will he give good things to those who ask him? And so Jesus is reminding us of how good our Father in heaven is. Listen, he is a father who delights in you asking. My precious little nine-year-old daughter over here, she sees her dad's face and hears his tone sometimes when I can't handle another question. And I wish I was a better dad. But we have a father in heaven who never gets weary of our questions. Never gets weary of our asking. He's a father in heaven who delights in our knocking. Even that criminal on the cross, they're hanging next to Jesus. What did he do to get into the kingdom that day? Here's how good God is. He just asked him. He, he didn't go to church. He didn't get baptized. He didn't check any boxes. He just hung naked on a cross as a convicted criminal, but he cried out to God. And God saved him. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. 
But the thief on the other side of Jesus, he chose a different path, right? That's not the choice that he made. Everybody has to make their choice, and there's a choice to be made, and that's what Jesus gets to next. There's a choice, here we go, between these two gates. Let me show you the gates. Verse 13. Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the road broad that leads to destruction. And there are many, many who go through it. How narrow is the gate and difficult the road. Notice that it's a narrow gate and it's a difficult road, but it leads to life. And few who find it. How many gates did he just mention, class? We ain't going home today unless y'all get with it. All right, y'all came late service because Meemaw must be taking y'all out to lunch, all right? So maybe y'all aren't in a hurry. How many gates did he just mention? Two. What kind? Narrow and wide. There's this narrow gate, but he says most of the people don't choose that gate. The majority of people are choosing this wide gate. Why? Because your friends are at the wide gate. All your stuff's over at the wide gate. The wide gate looks easy, and it is easy. The wide gate looks from a distance like it's the most pleasurable gate that's on the table here. But Jesus warns us the, wise, the wide gate is gonna lead to destruction. But this narrow gate, and this difficult path, that's the one that leads to life. And by the way, do you know why the narrow gate's so narrow? Because you can only go through one at a time. I don't get through the gate because I'm hanging on to my dad. And my children won't get through the gate because they're hanging on to their dad. This gate's just wide enough for each individual person to put their personal faith and trust in Christ alone to make them right with God. The only way through that narrow gate that leads to full and everlasting life. Is you, it's so narrow, you can't even take your sin with you. You have to leave all that behind. You have to take hold of Jesus, and that's the only way to get through the narrow gate. Today, Jesus is inviting you, if you haven't, to do that. To let go of everything, take hold of him, and enter through the narrow gate. And so here we go to the two trees. The gate you choose is gonna determine the tree that you are. <laughs> the gate that you choose is gonna determine the tree that you are. Here's the two different trees. Look at verse 15. Jesus says, be on your guard against false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves. Jesus is warning us here. There's, there's false prophets. There's false preachers. There's false teachers. There's folks out there who aren't leading people to the right gate. They're leading people to the wrong gate. And they're leading people to the wrong gate because you can make some serious dough off convincing people the wrong gate's the right gate. And Jesus says, watch out for those people. Well, what do you watch out for? Look at what he says, verse 16. You'll recognize them by their fruit. And then he says, are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit but a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. How many trees he just mentioned? Two, what are they? Good tree and bad tree. Everything in creation reproduces after its kind. And Jesus isn't asking a complex question here. He just says, do grapes come from thorn bushes? And maybe you don't know the answer to that question because all you know is they, just, they show up in the grocery store. 
Like somebody just sets them out and there they are. It's magic, it's grocery store magic. That's all you know. But to the average three-year-old who was there on that hillside that day when they heard Jesus say this and he said, do grapes grow on thorn bushes? They would have said no. They know the answer to that question. See, oranges grow on orange trees, not bananas. Tomato plants don't produce watermelons, they produce tomatoes. And you may not know this because maybe you're not the gardening type. You're starting to see springtime and stuff coming up out of the ground. You're like, I don't even know what that is. By the way, there's an app for that. It's really cool, y'all, to get it. It's like my favorite app right now. But you're one of those people, you gotta wait until the fall comes around. You're like, oh, that's okra, right? Or whatever you, you got in the ground because you know it by the fruit. If you choose the narrow gate, here's what Jesus is saying. You choose the narrow gate, you'll become a good tree that produces good fruit. Now, that's the work of Jesus in you. That's how this works. Watch this. You hear his invitation to the narrow gate, right? And so you let go of sin. You let go of everything. And you take hold of Jesus and you step through the narrow gate. And now that he's got a hold of you, now he begins to change you. He begins to transform you. He changes your spiritual DNA and now he makes you a good tree. And this good tree begins to bear good fruit, but if you choose the wrong gate, you choose the wide gate, then you just go on being the wrong kind of tree that bears the wrong kind of fruit. And watch what Jesus says, verse 19. Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit, every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. He says, so you'll recognize them by their fruit. So here's the deal. If you today get the gate part right, Jesus is gonna handle the bearing the good fruit part right. That's his job, he'll do that. Our job is to simply let go, forsake sin, trust him. We enter into a relationship with him and then he'll change us. Now that doesn't mean you don't have work to do, you do, but he's gonna provide the power to get the work done and he's gonna create the transformation in your heart and in your life. But if you're choosing the wrong gate and living out your days as the wrong kind of tree and producing the wrong kind of fruit, it's not gonna end well for you. That's what he just said. Now that's really my concern here today. 19 Easter's here. Hundreds and hundreds of Sundays here. And I see all these people passing in front of my eyes and I have to look at myself in the mirror with the same concern about myself sometimes. And I'm concerned. I'm, I'm concerned that there would be People here today that are good people, man, the kind of people that I love and want to hang around, well-intended people, morally pe moral people, dependable people, hardworking people, religious people, but people who are at the wrong gate. See, I think it's just really too easy to be at the wrong gate and to convince ourselves, no, this is it. Th this has got to be it. And I don't want us to miss that today. Empty religion and pious talk and checking the boxes of a lot of good kind of doing stuff has sent a lot of people to hell. Look at what Jesus says next. He says, verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many, you might wanna circle that word. 
Many on that day are gonna say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do many miracles in your name, and then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. Now, if I understand this right, what Jesus is saying here, he just said, you can say the right stuff. You can know the words. You can speak the language. You can even say that he is Lord. You, you can even have this impressive spiritual resume that you strut up before him one day and say, let me tell you about all the things I've done. I went to church, I did a little prophesying and praying and demon casting and miracle working. And that sounds like, man, that's the stuff, right? But the Bible just said, Jesus just said, I don't know you. You see, there's a lot of people that are just putting on a good show. That's all it is, just a good show. They don't love Jesus. They're just putting on a show. They're not really serving Jesus. They're just putting on a show. They don't love Jesus, they're using Jesus. They're using Jesus to make themselves look better. They're using Jesus to make themselves more important to other people. And Jesus will say to them, uh-uh. You, you chose the wrong gate. You lived as the wrong tree, bearing the wrong fruit. I don't know you. But on this Easter Sunday, Jesus is inviting you to make sure that you know today that you've chosen the right gate. To not deceive yourself that you're somebody that you're not. Jesus is inviting you today to let God change you to let God change your spiritual DNA to make you a good tree. Blessed is the man, Psalm 1, like a tree planted beside rivers of waters. God wants to do that in your life today, but you gotta choose the right gate. The gate you choose determines the tree that you are, and that brings us to the two different houses. See, think of it this way. The gate is how your faith starts. The tree is how your faith grows, but the house is how your faith ends. This is what Jesus is painting a picture of. This is how you get into the kingdom. This is how you grow in the kingdom. And here's the end result of life in the kingdom. Does that make sense, class? You with me? So let's look at the two houses, two different houses. Verse 24, Jesus says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them, they hear them and Jesus said, I'm inviting you into this and they, they do it, they follow him, they trust him. He says, if you do what I'm saying, then you're gonna be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that House. Any of you live long enough yet to get pounded? You know what I'm talking about? And Jesus said, yet yeah, it did not collapse because its foundation was on the rock. Here's the thing, y'all. Following Jesus isn't gonna exempt you from life storms. Following Jesus isn't gonna exempt you from the rain and the wind. In fact, following Jesus is just gonna position you probably for even greater storms 
in your life. The rain falls and the wind blows in the life of a non-follower of Jesus and a follower of Jesus. But if you've trusted and you're trusting Jesus, then you will not be shaken. You will not be moved because you have built your life on the rock of Jesus Christ. Over all these years, and today has been such a joy to see so many people And I just have these memories of so many times over all these years, I've watched so many people's lives when this massive, I mean, category five hurricane of a trial comes into people's lives. And I I have seen so many times, life after life, just stand strong and stand firm, immovable, unshakable, because they were built on Jesus. But I'm also haunted by how many lives I have watched collapse. How many lives I have watched crumble and fall apart because they stood at the wide gate for so long and convinced themselves, this is it. And Jesus was inviting them to the narrow gate. Jesus says, verse 26, everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them. They say no to his invitation. No, I'm good, I'm good. I hear you, I'm good. He says that person will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house and it collapsed. And then this is interesting. Jesus could have stopped there, point made, but he doubles down. He says next, it collapsed with a great crash. I know today's a happy day, but I love you enough to tell you the truth that today some of you are headed toward a great crash. I I know you've convinced yourself, not you, but I'm telling you right off the words of Jesus' sermon, If you're not building your life on Jesus, you're headed for a crash. A great crash is what Jesus says. Maybe it's in this life, or maybe it's in the life to come, or maybe it's both, but the great crash will come to every person who refuses to build their life on the rock of Jesus. But I'm telling you, this is why you're here today. It doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to end that way. God put you in this place today Not to hear another, Jesus rose from the dead, Peter ran the grave, there's Mary in the garden, yay! He put you here today to hear the invitation from the greatest sermon that's ever been preached by the greatest preacher who's ever lived. Jesus is inviting you today to the gate. And he's the gate. And some of you today are buying the lie that before I come in the gate, I gotta change me, I gotta fix me, I gotta clean me up, I gotta be a better version of me before I go in the gate. That's a lie, straight out of the pit of hell. He loves you just as you are right now in your madness and your mess and your sin and your filth, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. But you gotta come in just like you are. Once you come in, then he'll go to work in you. He'll change you, he'll do the work. Uh, don't believe the lie that Satan's peddling today that you're not good enough to come in the gate. Ain't nobody good enough to come in the gate. There's none that's righteous. No, not one. This is how good our God is. This is how gracious and kind and compassionate he looks at all of our mess and all of our junk and he says, I still want you. 
All you gotta do is ask and seek and knock. I'll do the heavy lifting if you'll just take the step. 999,999 steps between you and God. And he took every single one of them. And he stands here today just going, just take the last one. And I'll do all the heavy lifting. You just come. You just ask. You just seek. You just knock. He's inviting you today. See, when that stone rolled away from that tomb, on that day, everything became different. So today, everything in your life could be different. And some of you are so hungry for different, and Jesus has come to give it to you. Chris, we were over there, you know, just the other week, and I, yesterday I was sending everybody that went to Israel with me the photos of them coming out of that tomb over there. Don't know if it was the tomb or not, but it was cool. And one thing about that tomb is you had to go in it and out of it all by yourself, one at a time. And that's how Jesus is inviting you today to himself to turn to him and trust him personally as your savior, as your God. You gotta leave everything else behind. You can't hang on to somebody else. You can't hang on to your sin. You gotta let it all go and take hold of Jesus. Somebody once said, this is what faith is. F-A-I-T-H, forsaking all, I trust him. And that's how you get through that narrow gate. You forsake everything else and you trust Jesus and Jesus alone. And I'm asking you, have you done that? Do you know today that you have said yes to Jesus, that he's your savior, he's your God? Has your faith cost you something? That's a good question, I think. Because if it hasn't cost you anything, maybe you've not exercised saving faith. Is your life different? Has there been change? If, if fruit hasn't changed, then you gotta ask yourself, why not? Are you building your life on the rock of Jesus or on something else? If you haven't entered the right gate, Jesus is inviting you to do that today. Just trust him. He'll do the work, he'll change you, and then he'll build your life on the rock of himself. The storms are gonna come. This is not a sermon that I'm telling you, hey, trust Jesus and you're gonna have a good and easy life. No, I'm telling you, you trust Jesus and it's gonna suck. I'm not supposed to say that on Easter or probably any time, sorry. But it's gonna be hard. It's gonna, I'm not live streaming this one only. It's gonna be bad. It's gonna be difficult, right? But you're not alone. He's with you. The storm will come. The rains will come. But you build your life on Jesus and you'll stand. He'll hold you. I pray today that you know him. I pray today that you're building your life on the rock. You're just one step away today. Just one step away from different. Won't be easy. But he's worth it. He's worth it all. Jesus, I believe that. I believe you are worth any difficulty or challenge that may come from the difficult, you called it a difficult path that leads to life, but you're worth it. And so God, I pray that today, every person in this room would know, yes, I have trusted Jesus to bring me through that narrow gate.
He is my gate. He's the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way but him and him alone. God, I pray that today we would trust you to change our lives from the inside out. That we wouldn't depend on ourselves to bring transformation, but we would look to you and to you alone. And that we would live our lives securely on and in the person and work of Jesus Christ. God, I pray for the one today that's fearful. For the one today that's ashamed. For the one today that's hurting. The one today that's confused. The one today that's broken. The one that today is almost ready to give up. God, I pray they would hear your voice. I pray they would hear and be reminded of how much God in heaven loves them. And that they would ask and seek and knock and come running to you today, Jesus, to find help, to find mercy, to find grace, to find forgiveness, to find salvation. Jesus, we've heard your invitation today and we don't want to walk out on it. We want to take it to heart. We want to act on it. We want to respond to it. Every single one of us today, God, I pray we'd respond to the kind invitation of Jesus the right way. That today we would declare, God, I want to build my life on you. Nothing else but you will do. I want to trust you with all my heart. I wanna follow you with all my life. I wanna step into different today, Jesus. So take hold of me and take over. In Jesus' name, I wanna invite you to stand. This is the invitation. This is the part of the sermon every Sunday. This is when we get to respond to what God is saying out of his word. You're invited today to trust Jesus to save you. You don't know how to do that, I would lo- I'll be right here. We'll talk right here, right now. You're invited today to worship the Lord, to give him praise and thanks from the depths of your heart in this place today. You're invited to do that. You're invited to pray and draw near to the Lord and he'll draw near to you. You're invited today to confess that nagging sin and let him cleanse you of all unrighteousness. You're invited to turn, repent, and follow Christ with your whole heart. The God of heaven, who is so good, is inviting you into something today. And all you gotta do is trust him. He'll work out all the details. I promise you, he will. He always does. He's inviting you. Ask, just ask, and seek, and knock. Let's enjoy how good our God is right now. Come on.